0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mark Moss Show where we talk about the decentralized revolution that's happening. Of course, we talk about it uh, as the decentralized technology like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are changing the world as we know it. we like to look at it through the lens of three converging factors. Of course, that's politics, finance and technology throughout history. Thousands of years of history. It's always been technology that changes the world. And, uh, you know, we can look at the political, social um, things. We can look at the financial uh, revolutions. And they're all important. Um, and a lot of people do really well with them. But if you miss what's going on with the technology, then you're missing the bigger picture. So we look at all three, the convergence of all three. And we're examining what the heck is going on in the world today. How did we get here? And most importantly, where we are going. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, We have a lot to cover on this show today. We're going to look at um, what's going on in Europe with some new regulations, new laws, of course, new things that you must comply with and what, what those things are. There's two big ones that are happening. What does this mean for Bitcoin cryptocurrencies? What does it mean for you personally? What does it mean for the world? Um, we're going to look at that and we're going to look at some of these policies they're trying to put in place and what the bigger context of them are, how they've already been, been in place in most of the world for about the last two decades, uh, the problems, the pros and cons of this. Um, and let me just uh, tell you, it's, it's a really big problem. That's a really big problem for you personally that you're maybe not aware of. Uh, we're going to talk about some new laws that uh, California, which of course leads the United States, so it's coming to California. They're trying to get in California, which then of course would come for um, the rest of the United States and, and the world as well. Um, and then we're going to look at some of uh, something that happened this week that, uh I'm a little speechless. It literally shook me to my core. We'll just say it that, um, you know, the United States is known for a lot of things. One thing in particular, and the the entire basis of one of the most important things of the United States, um, basically got, got taken out this week. And we're going to talk about that. And it all flows into each other. So a lot to cover this week. Um, And if you want to know how to manage yourself through this decentralized revolution that's happening, how to um, not just survive but to thrive with your money, with your freedom, then uh, don't go away. We're going to talk about it. Now, if you're not a regular listener, then what the heck are you even doing? Uh, If you're not driving, take a second real quick. Pull your phone out from your pocket and just put a calendar reminder. Make sure you're with me each and every week on this time, this channel, uh, because you don't want to miss it. I'm going to give you the information you need to be equipped and, you know, you know, When you go out over the weekend and you go to the cocktail party, uh, you might sound really smart by reciting a lot of this information that we talk about. So uh, it's a double win for you. So anyway, let's just jump right into it. Like I said, lots of stuff going on today. And uh, one of them, let's start with that. Let's start off the top here, the regulations that are happening. Of course, regulations are rules, <laughs> laws that are being imposed. Now, uh, you know, one viewpoint that I have at... Uh, My dad taught me when I was turning 18 and I could start voting as he said, you know, Mark, just remember every new law, whether you think it's good or bad, whether you like it or not, it's less freedom. Just think about it that way. So that's the way I think about it. Um, Obviously, growing up in the United States, I believe you're probably listening to me from the United States. um, We grew up in the land of the free. What does that mean? Well, that means that we're free. We're free to express ourselves as individuals. Uh, we're free to pursue things and that lead to our own interests. Uh, we're free to choose um, paths and options that lead to our own ends, our direction. I remember as a kid growing up in, uh, you know, still under the Cold War, and learning about communism, because we actually used to learn that stuff when I was a kid. And we'd learn about communism, you know, over in the USSR, over in Russia at the time. And I remember just as a kid thinking like, it sounded like the worst thing in the world. Like, you don't even get to choose what you want as a profession? You mean they tell you what you have to do for work? Like, you're not allowed to do anything. You can't... To, you know, if you do anything against the state, you get locked up in prison. Of course, at the time, they had the gulag, the the Russian gulag, which was... Um, you know, their prison system, and if you did anything against the state, they'd lock you up, you know, and I just remember growing up thinking how horrible that must be, because in the land of the free, we were free, we could do whatever we wanted, um, but each one of these new laws, these regulations, these rules just takes that away. Now, some of them could be good, don't get me wrong, like I would like a law, I would like a rule that says you can't kill me, you know, I'm totally up for that, I like that. Uh, As a matter of fact, nobody should be aggressive to anybody else, right? That's uh, Libertarian is a non-aggressive principle, which means uh, we should be free to do most things as long as we're not hurting somebody else. So, of course, I, I want laws preventing you from hurting me. But I look at each rule and regulation, like that, and I try to uh, be intellectually honest with myself to look at both sides of these situations. Now, I, I want to say just one last thing, and then we're gonna, because I want to get into so what's happened here in the highest levels of the United States. That's just, I mean, it's, it's still, I, I still just can't get over it. We're gonna talk about that a little bit, uh, but I think about. I think about, you know, the, the Supreme Court in the United States, which has been on a tear this week, making uh, all types of laws or actually repealing things, we should say. And, you know, the Constitution of the United States, which is the law of the land, is not a set of rules and regulations that prevents us from doing things. It's not what it is. See, laws and regulations prevent you from doing things. Potentially to protect people, whatever. We can debate that. Uh, Some do, obviously. Um, But the Constitution, the law of the land of the United States, anyway, um, is not a set of rules that we are restricted by that tell us how to act, what we can and can't do. No, no, no. (laughs) It's a set of rules that restrict the government on taking away our freedoms. So we need to think about it a little bit differently. And so we'll talk about some of the stuff the Supreme Court's been doing. But let's just jump back to some of the news at hand this week. In Europe... We'll jump over to Europe for a minute. These things are global, you got to understand from a global um, level. So in Europe, the European Union seeks a deal on a groundbreaking. (laughs) I love the sound of that Uh, groundbreaking. It's so new, it's shattering, you can't believe it to regulate cryptocurrencies. So they want to regulate cryptocurrencies, of course, you know, one of the things I hear all the time is like, Oh, the government's going to regulate Bitcoin. And I'm like, really? Uh, They already do. As a matter of fact, Bitcoin is the most regulated asset in the United States, I believe. It's regulated by every single institution in the United States, the SEC, CMTC, uh, FinCEN, uh, the IRS, etc. They've already all regulated it. So what do you mean they're going to but of course, uh, I guess they could do more regulations this is already the most regulated but here. Here we have more. So the European Union on Thursday will seek agreement on like I said, this quote unquote groundbreaking rules for regulating crypto assets. It says the deal would put the EU the European Union ahead of the global regulatory pack. Of course, everybody should, everybody should try to win that race to be the most aggressive, the most heavy regulated country. That seems like a badge of pride. Uh, By giving issuers of crypto assets and providers of related services a passport... A passport. What does that mean? So I have to now get approval. I have to receive a passport from the government. Now I'm going to remind you of a quote from Ayn Rand um, from the book Atlas Shrugged, which if you haven't read Atlas Shrugged, you certainly should. I've talked about it quite extensively. Because it basically tells you what's going on in the world today. Um, if you don't like to read, there's a movie that you can make. Just Google it. Uh, it's a pretty good movie. But she says that uh, when you must seek permission to produce from men who produce nothing, then you know we're at the end of a society. And so that's exactly what we have to... Now we have to get, quote-unquote, their words, a passport from... So we have to have now permission to produce. We have to get this passport from men who produce nothing. So these, these regulators, they don't know what they're doing. They've never produced anything. It says here that... Uh, The European Parliament and EU states meet to thrash out a deal on the markets in a assets, which is called MICA, M-I-C-A, Markets in Crypto Assets, which could come into force around the end of 2023. So we still have about a year and a half before these really take off. I want to explain to you what this is and what this really means. And there's a second bill and regulation that the EU is trying to put through. And it's not just about Europe. This is what's happening in the United States as well. You need to understand that. We're going to talk about, like I said, some of these... um, Bigger problems this spills into that we're already seeing in the financial system and and, and the damage that's been done there. We'll talk about, like I said, uh, I mean uh, the the big 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 blow that the United States suffered this week in in this regard. I, that and more. You listened to the Mark Ma show talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, the decentralized revolution, looking at uh, politics, finance, and technology, trying to make sense of this crazy world today. I'll be back with all of that and more in a second. So don't go away. All right, welcome back. You are listening to an episode of The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about, of course, each and every week the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing right before our very eyes, being led, of course, by new technologies like Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies. And we're talking specifically about. Um, starting at the top with some new laws that the European Union are putting into place. And of course, uh, what this means and how it could come to the United States and what it means for the bigger picture. And so we're talking about the the European Union is meeting to uh, hash out a deal on a new law called MICA, M-I-C-A, Markets and Crypto Assets, come into effect at the end of 2023. And there's really three things that they're looking at, three issues remaining that that they want to deal with. And one is NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Two is supervision of this whole space. <laughs> and then I'm going to laugh a minute. Hang on. Uh, the third one is energy consumption. So let's think about that for a second. Uh, NFTs, supervision, and energy consumption. So let, let's start with that third one for a second. Energy consumption. So the European Commission would assess the energy footprint of of crypto assets. Okay, do they regulate the energy footprint of everything? So I mean, obviously, we see they're trying to have like a uh, transition away from fossil fuel cars, ice engines, internal combustion engine cars, moving to electric vehicles, uh, which we just move the engine from the from the car, and we move it to the side, <laughs> we still have to have a Engine to create the electricity or the energy. Uh, But do we regulate how much energy gold mining uses, or the fiat money system, or the banking system, or how about YouTube, or how much uh, clothes dryers use, or washing machines? Do we regulate any of that? Now, um, for comparison's sake, um, clothes dryers use way more energy. Than a bitcoin network does for example and what the heck do you need a clothes dryer for i mean you can't you just hang them in your backyard on a line like what a waste of energy to try to dry your clothes when they could just dry naturally right what about youtube youtube uses way more energy And so what a waste of your time just sitting there watching stupid videos, right? So anyway, do they do they assess the energy footprint of all things? Of course not. And who are they to decide how you should be able to use your own energy. Now the world that I grew up in, which wasn't near as technologically advanced as the one we have today, didn't have problems creating electricity. As a matter of fact, creating electricity has been known how to we've known how to do that for over 100 years, it's pretty easy. Anyone can create electricity, very, very easily today. So the fact that we even have to deal with that is pretty crazy. But let's keep going into this bill. Um, So some other things that they want to do, again, like I said, they want to look at NFTS, and then they want more supervision over those things. Um, This has been, you know, a lot of the crypto assets come under pressure because of the collapse of this Terra Luna token, which I've been talking about for several weeks. Terra Luna has basically led to this contagion downward spiral. We're seeing the entire cryptocurrency market um, cap falling down, then Celsius um, crashed out. And now it's spreading to new new form, new firms like three AC, etc. We're going to talk more about that later. Uh, but that's the only, that's only the first thing that's this Mica bill, M-I-C-A, but there's another one. And the European Systema- Systemic Risk Board, the ESRB, sounds pretty serious. European Systemic Risk Board has deemed it, quote unquote, a matter of urgency to consider the need for additional regulatory measures and policy steps to address the potential threat that crypto assets could pose to the financial system. Huh. So people being free to experiment and try new things, you know, a little bit of assets here, like, uh, what are we at, you know, a, a, a few billion dollars, a few hundred billion dollars. That's a threat to the entire financial system. What about the central bankers creating trillions of dollars, manipulating the price of everything, price fixing? Price fixing through interest rates. What about that? What about the fact that Christine Lagarde from the ECB or from the IMF, formerly of the ECB, now at the IMF, she said, uh, I guess we didn't think through all the unintended consequences of printing all this money. That's a threat to the financial system. That's a threat to your way of life. It's a threat to my way of life. It's the reason why, to her point, we didn't think through the unintended consequences. What unintended consequences was she talking about? Oh, you know, the price of natural gas going up by 1,000%. We didn't think about that. We didn't think that we need natural gas to make fertilizer, which is needed to make food, and now we have potentially hundreds of millions, if not billions of people starving to death. We didn't think about that. Those those are the unintended consequences that she's talking about. Um, But supposedly, if you and I, we mess around with some free market stuff and some cryptocurrencies, that we're going to put the financial system at risk. We're talking hundreds of trillions of dollars in the financial system. We're talking a little tiny speck of cryptocurrencies, and it's going to put the whole financial system at risk. And we have to address that, even though we have Christine Lagarde, playing with everybody's lives and not just in in, let's talk about the United States. Jay Powell just this week came out and said, uh, Jerome Powell, for those of you that aren't aren't keeping up here, Jerome Powell, who's head of the most powerful central bank in the world, which is the Federal Reserve of the United States. He said, Well, if there's one thing we've learned, it's that uh, we don't know very much about controlling inflation. Hmm. So they're just willy nilly printing 5 trillion, 6 trillion, $8 trillion, without understanding uh, what they're even doing, which is putting the entire financial system at risk, which, of course, is driving home prices up, driving rents through the roof, driving your gas prices up to levels that you can't even afford anymore. But uh, a little bit of uh, experimenting around with some cryptocurrencies is a threat to the financial system. It's pretty rich coming from them. So, of course, they want additional regulatory measures to deal with that. Um, It says they're responsible for ensuring the stability of the financial system in the EU. And while crypto assets currently have a limited hold on the system, these risks could materialize quickly and suddenly, they say. The ESRB, which again is the European Systemic Risk Board, also hopes to identify crypto's possible systemic implications on the EU financial system. So, you know, look, if we think, think let's, let's, let's think about this from a higher level, a little bit more of a philosophical level, for example, Uh, freedom is not safe, safe is not free. So what do I mean by that? Let's, let's, let's look at the lion. The lion is the king of the jungle. The lion is the most powerful animal now in the jungle, or in the the Sahara plain, wherever it is, right? It can kill anything. There's no, there's no hunters. I mean, other than man, right? It's the top of the food chain. Now, it's not a it's free. It's free to do it at once, but it's not, a, it's not a safe life. So the lion has to fight other lions, you know, it doesn't know if it's gonna get food, it could get, you know, hunted killed by a human. Um, so it's, it's free, but it's not safe. Now we could take that lion and we could put it into a cage. And we can keep that lion safe in a cage. and We can give it one meal a day and we could pump it full of antibiotics. And it's safe, but it's certainly not free anymore. And so we can have all of these guardrails put around us where um, we're basically in a cage, and they keep us safe from ourselves, but we're certainly not free. I'm not sure which side you're on on that. I'd love to find out. I'd love for you to hit me up on social media at one mark moss, at it's just the number one mark moss. Send me a message. Let me know. Do you want to be free or do you want to be safe? I want to talk more about these regulations that are putting into place. And then I want to talk about the bigger problem that we're seeing in the United States, the backfiring of this. And how this week, especially in California, it has backfired in a massive way, you could potentially be at risk. And what this means, Uh, you're listening to the Mark Moss show talking about the decentralized revolution talking about Bitcoin cryptocurrencies, through the lens of politics, finance and technology. I got a lot more to cover in a minute when I come back. So don't go away. All right, welcome back. You are listening to the Mark Moss show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about Bitcoin cryptocurrencies changing the world and what's happening because of that. Of course, we're looking at through the lens of politics, finance and technology. And we're talking about specifically laws and regulations that are being imposed by the EU. um, And they're pretty vague. We don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to do something because we have to keep you safe. Now, uh, safe is a relative term. you know, in the United States, we can go buy as many lottery tickets as we want, which the chance of winning is basically none. We can, of course, go to Vegas, and we can gamble away even with credit. Um, you know, all of our money, no big deal. Um, but heaven forbid you, um, you know, experiment around with some cryptocurrencies or something like that. Um, but what what are some of the bigger implications of this? All right. So some of the things that they really want to get under control is, um, well, and and the tools they would use to get stuff under control is to first get a handle on who it is that is using these things, right? So cryptocurrencies are kind of somewhat anonymous, meaning um, they go outside of the financial system, but the financial system is controlled and there's two main things that they use to control the financial system or to track it, and that's one, KYC. You might have heard that term before. The second one is AML. So KYC is something called Know Your Customer, and AML is something known as Anti Money Laundering. Now, these two things were put into place after the 2001 um, 9/11 attack on the on the World Trade Centers. Um, the Patriot Act was put into place. Um, and while it was a tragic day uh, for America being attacked and for the people that, that unfortunately lost their lives there, it was an even more tragic day for the rest of Americans who lost more freedoms that day than any time in all of history. And part of the freedoms that we lost were the freedom to transact our own money. Now, without the freedom to transact, we have no freedom. So if I can't pay for certain things, I have no freedom, right? So I have freedom to freedom of speech, but if I can't pay to get a phone or a computer to go on the internet or pay to build a website or print a flyer, how much freedom of speech do I have? If I, I have freedom of of uh, assembly, but if I can't pay to put gas in my truck to drive to the assembly or pay for food when I get to the assembly, how do I have freedom of of assembly? I, I have freedom of religion, but if my church can't pay for a building, how do we have freedom of religion? And so it all starts with the freedom of payments. And of course, they've taken that away because they regulate something, like I said, KYC AML. So KYC means that you have to know your customer. And that means that Every financial institution has to know their customer. They have to know you. What's your name? What's your address? What's your ID? Et cetera, right? And so they've put these regulations on top of cryptocurrency. So if you want to go buy Bitcoin or cryptocurrency at Coinbase or something like that, you have to put all your information in the system, uh, including taking a picture of your ID, uploading, all of that. So this is done through the banking system. And again, this is new. Think, Think about... For all of history, none of this was monitored. Right? We had we used gold as money, obviously, for five thousand years. We used rocks and feathers. And if I paid with gold, I used gold coins. There was no KYC. There was no databases that stored everybody's most personal information. And even when we got into the money, the, the you know the the fiat monetary system, you know, after basically gold was seized in 1933 and through 1944 even then, even through 1971, it wasn't really regulated. Now, there started to be more like Bank Secrecy Act. So then, for example, um, they put in the policy where um, transactions of more than $10,000 needed to um, get that KYC, get that 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 information. But I'll have you understand that at the time when that rule was put into place, based off of inflation, that was equivalent to about $80,000 of today's th- of dollars. When today, today $10,000 is equivalent to, you know, whatever, I don't know, $1,000 back back then. And so they've really just clamped down on what we can do. Now, this may sound like a good idea to you, but is it really? Have you thought through the pros and cons of each one of these things to grab all the information? Now, the first thing is... To use the financial system, the global financial system, you have to be able to put your information in. You have to have the ID. You have to have the you know the government ID and all that. You have to have permission. Now, that's a problem for people that don't have that information. Now, if you're in the United States, you might say, well, everybody has that information, right? Well, let's see. There's a whole battle going on over voting, and supposedly it's a racist to ask people to show an ID to vote, because supposedly, um, black people and minorities aren't smart enough to go get an ID, I think that's racist to insinuate that they're not smart enough to get an ID. But the point is, is that the the Democrats are so dug in on preventing uh, preventing any type of policy that would require you to show an ID to vote, because supposedly, it's racist minorities can't get an ID. Well, if they can't get an ID, then they can't get into the financial system. Think about that for a second. So is the financial system racist? You gotta, you, you gotta look at it from both sides here. You can't have your way and eat it too, uh, your cake and eat it too, right? Now, this is just the United States. What about the world? Now, per the UN, about half of the adults in the world today have no access to banking. Two reasons. Well, mainly just one reason. They don't have permission to join. Now, either they don't have the required documents to join, or two they're from an area that doesn't allow them to join. So, for example, you're a fifteen year old kid growing up in Iran um, you start you created an Instagram account, you want to start a little business, but nope, you can't you can't join the global financial system because you're in a country that doesn't allow it and so um about half the adults in the world today have no access to the financial system because of policies like this. And so we have to think about risk and reward. How many people are we helping versus how many people are we hurting? So if we take a look at this, so like KYC, know your customer is extremely dangerous. And I would even go as far as to say it's useless. Now, um, the thing with money, first of all, is that money, if you lose it, you know, it sucks. Nobody wants to lose their money. But if you lose it, you, you, can, you can get money back. You can earn it back. What about your identity? If you lose your identity, can you get that back? When, you, when, you're, when all of your personal information is exposed and sold on the dark web, do you get that back? Of course, the answer is no. Money's replaceable. Identity is not. Once it's stolen, it's gone. Now, does it get stolen? It happens all the time. So all these companies, all these cryptocurrency exchanges, all these banks, they're all storing to know your customer information, and they get hacked all the time. Experian led to one of the largest data breaches in the U.S. history. History, and the majority of Americans' personal information, including their social security numbers and their addresses and their mother's maiden names, were put onto the dark web. Once that gets out there, it's gone. You don't get that back. What are they capturing all this information for? So are we doing more harm than good? Think about that for a second. Now, one of the best ways to protect yourself from identity theft is to understand the false assumptions of KYC, right? So, like I said, it's supposed to prevent money laundering and uh, terrorist financing because, you know, your $600 that the government wants to regulate is going to lead to all this terror terrorist financing, never mind the billions of dollars <laughs> that we actually give to terrorists, never mind the hundreds of billions of dollars of weapons that we give gave to terrorists in Afghanistan, or the pallets of cash that we gave them, never mind that, your $600 could lead to terrorist financing. But the problem is, is that this KYC endangers me. It endangers you. So what's the bigger risk here? Uh, KYC encourages identity theft, because it creates what we call honeypots. It gets everybody's information and puts them into a database. And that's very attractive to hackers, a honeypot, they want to go get that And these organizations that collect this information, they're super vulnerable to hacks. Uh, We've seen it all the time over and over and over. And they get everything. They get your personal documents. They get your name. They get all of that. And then once they have that, they have it. So not only do you get hacked and it gets taken, but then it also helps them. So now these criminals have everybody's personal information. And so now they can go around and use that information to pass KYC on their own. So does KYC actually prevent the criminals from doing criminal activity? No. As a matter of fact, it entices them to be more criminal and steal yours and then use that information to get around the very measures that are meant to protect you, protect us supposedly, but actually put us more in danger. Uh, I'm going to talk more about that and then go into some big stuff that happened this week that you need to be aware of. You're listening to The Mark Ma Show, talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, of course, looking at through politics, finance, and technology going on a little bit of a ramp, but I got a lot more to cover in a minute. Uh, Like I said, I want to talk more about this KYC hack and what happened this week that has me really shaken up. We'll be back with that in more in a minute. Do not go away. All right, welcome back. You are listening to the Mark Moss show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, of course, monitoring it as it progresses. how did we get here? What the heck's going on? Where are we going? Well, it all is about the technology we're talking about that, of course, we're looking at Bitcoin cryptocurrencies, we're talking about specifically today, uh, starting at the top, these new regulations that the EU is trying to put in place, uh, which of course, they want to come for the rest of the world, the United States, um, a lot of this is more regulation, which of course, includes uh, knowing your customer KYC and AML regulations, where they gather all your information, and they put them into these databases, harming, putting everybody at risk to potentially, maybe prevent a couple of people from doing some illegal things, which are already illegal, that they could do. Uh, You know, in the United States, I guess I can't speak so much for the rest of the world, you know, I grew up in a world in the United States where I thought we were innocent until proven guilty. So we have laws and we have rules that are in place, so if you do something illegal, there's, you know, laws against that, and there's punishment. But when did we start putting in laws and rules and regulations that um, would prevent you from being able to do something illegal, because then that that basically tells me that I'm guilty until proven innocent, but I'm supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. So they're going to put every single person in the world at risk to prevent them from doing something that we already have laws against doing. And the percentage of people that would actually do something bad with it is so tiny, like Less than one percent. So we're going to put ninety nine point five percent of people at risk, at grave danger. No, I'll have you grave danger. Ninety nine point five percent people in grave danger, and inconvenience, and additional costs, and all those things, to potentially stop half of one percent of people from maybe doing something bad that we already have laws against in the first place. Think about that for a minute. Does that seem like like a smart thing to do? So does KYC, like I said, it encourages scams. So one, it creates these honeypots. These these scammers want to go get it. They want to break into it. And then on top of it, now they have that information. Again, once they get your mother's maiden name and your address and your date of birth and your middle initial, all that, you don't get that back. It's now forever on the dark web. You are forever compromised, forever. It's a massive risk, grave danger, in my opinion. They could go mess up your credit And if anyone who's ever tried to get their credit fixed, you understand how big of a problem that is. That could take you years and years and years and tens of thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours of time to even try to get resolved, even if you could. But then, like I said, then it goes to help the scammers because now these very policies that are putting you in danger, these KYC policies, now they have your information they can use to go get around those exact same things. That's why we have. Pol- that's why we have. We have laws against doing these things, but trying to create these arbitrary gateways and and and, uh, and uh, checkpoints to get people to move through only keeps the law-abiding citizens out and the criminals in. I'm not going to talk about guns necessarily. Well, actually, we are going to talk about guns in a minute. But um, think about think about in the United States, right, that we have the right to bear arms. Um, and they say, well, we don't want guns in criminals' hands because they could do something bad. Well, we have laws against those bad things that criminals would do. But also think about this. So, like, look at look in Mexico, for example. They don't have guns allowed in Mexico. Now, certain people, if you're like a farmer, you could qualify to get like one rifle so you could hunt or something like that. But for the most part, there's no guns allowed in Mexico. But uh, what about all these like uh, narcos and uh, cartels? Because they have lots of guns and they shoot up people all the time. But, but I thought guns were illegal. Oh, you mean the criminals have the guns? <laughs> You see, so the average people doesn't have guns, who the average people aren't going to do anything wrong, Uh, but the criminals who are going to do something wrong uh, do have the guns, and they break the laws. And so that's kind of what we're talking about here, that that the majority of people who would never do anything wrong were being um, inconvenienced in mass, were paying way higher fees, and were put at risk and danger— to potentially stop a couple people uh, who are already breaking laws that we already have in place. Um, and so KYC is completely useless from doing this. And so as, I, I want you to understand that. So as you continue to hear talks about, we need to regulate Bitcoin and cryptocurrency more. We need to get information. We can't allow people to transfer Bitcoin between themselves without us knowing who's there. That's what the EU wants to do. They want to make it where you can't transfer um. Bitcoin from one person to another without going through a financial institution, which is the whole point. It goes peer to peer, sort of like cash. Yeah. You know how I can hand you cash and it doesn't have to go through an institution or I could hand you gold before that sort of like that. They don't want that to happen. They want it to be like Venmo where you have to send everybody Venmo. So it goes through six checkpoints and gateways. So everybody gets their cut, everybody gets their fee, and they can tell you how you can spend your money. Sounds pretty good. Now, this is coming for the United States here. I'm reading a story here. And California bill would require websites to verify users' IDs. So uh, California state legislator is looking at a bill to require websites and apps to authenticate the age of every user before allowing them to access. Um, it's aimed at protecting the children. Now, of course, who doesn't want to protect children? I have kids. I want to protect children. There's a lot of things I want to protect children from that the freaking government is allowing people to do, uh, like uh, having transvestites at elementary schools. Like, I'm definitely not for that. I don't think kids should be sexualized. I'd like to protect children from that. So who wouldn't be for that? Of course, uh, it's it's like calling a bill like the Save the Puppy Dogs Act. Who's against saving puppy dogs? But it would in effect end online anonymity in the state. The bill is AB 2273. It's known as the California Age Appropriate Design Code Act, which sounds good because we're going to protect the kids, right? So what it wants to do is protect children, but what it's actually going to do is change the internet for everyone because in order to determine who is a child, then the websites and apps are going to have to authenticate the age of all users before you can use the service. So basically what it does is it ends casual web browsing and it forces Every company, every website, every app, to now collect personal information on you, so they can store it. And they don't want—they don't want to store it. They're not capable of protecting it. Even the NSA of the government was hacked. Experian was hacked. Every single little app—they have the—they have the—they—they the, they have the ability to protect my data. Of course, they don't. I don't want to provide the information. They don't want to collect the information. But California wants to require them to do it because, of course, we got to save the babies, right? I'm all for saving the babies. Like I said, I'm a father. I want to protect kids, but is this the way to do it? And it gets worse than that. So let's talk about what happened this week because uh, there's there's two things that happened that just is shaking me to my core. And so in the United States, we have three branches of government. Do you know what those are? Oh, I can't hear anybody. So uh, we have the we have the legislative, right? We have the judicial. You understand how this is? The judicial branch being the Supreme Court. Of the nation, the Supreme Court, the highest level, the most esteemed, the most prestigious uh, office in the United States, the rule of law. If there's one thing the United States stands for, one thing that separates the United States from every country in the world is a rule of law. That's it. Other countries don't have that. Venezuela, Iran, there's no Belarus, there's no rule of law. The United States has a rule of law. The Supreme Court of the United States has a rule of law, but we got leaks activists get in and they they leak information on the most divisive and polarizing topics there are that's pretty bad one of the things the supreme court i'm talking about the roe v wade of course i'm not going to chime in on that right now but one of the things that the supreme court recently pulled back was this uh right to have concealed weapons which california was very angry about because it pulled back california's power over weapons so the attorney general In California, the Attorney General, who's head of the what? Department of Justice, said that they were going to push back and do everything they can to go against what the Supreme Court has decided. The Attorney General, the head of the DOJ, and this week, somehow, the DOJ leaked all the personal information of all the concealed carry permit people in California. Names, addresses, you get it. Now, does that seem coincidental to you? But more importantly, why do they have that information in the first place? I'll leave that question for you to figure out, you're starting to get the big picture here. You're listening to the Mark Moss Show, of course we're talking about cryptocurrencies, we're talking about uh, Bitcoin, we're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're obviously talking about regulations and we're looking at it across a spectrum, across a spread so you can understand these situations better. Would I like to stop one or two bad people? Of course I would. Do I wanna put 99.9% of people at risk to potentially maybe stop a bad person who's gonna be bad anyway? for me the answer is no but i'd love to hear what you say what you have to think hit me up on social media let me know uh, thanks for listening to the mark moss show we'll be back with more later